0: tap your neighbor and say all the glory to, glory to god let me hear it all the glory to god like this look all the glory to god tap all the glory to god come on somebody Hallelujah. listen we got a long way to go and a short time to get there, but we're going to try to have some fun. So if y'all are uptight, I need y'all to just relax your shoulders because I see some people that are like, I don't know about this cat. You will have a right to not know, okay? This is the new normal, so just be okay with it. We're going to dance around. We got the Jordans on. We're good. So listen, blank moss, blank moss. This is what it's all about, okay? For those of you that don't know, it's not about a cup. It's not weird. Say maybe a little bit, but it's the new normal. Remember, just stay with me. Come on. Blank Moss is what is Christmas really all about? Because for so many of us, we get so offended by every other thing in the world. I can't believe that story. I can't believe those people. They're doing it to us, God. <laughs> Do you see it? And we're so upset, we get mad, and we, we boycott, and we stand outside, and we have signs up. We won't go. This is ours. And the truth is, and I think this is the big thing that has me, is... When it comes to having direction, that's big. I'd like to know why we're going. Is anybody with me? Does anybody, if, if I tell you to go somewhere, does anyone want to know where to go? Or are y'all cool just trying to find? It? Right, we want to know, let's go. I want to know. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to know. But this one's different and God changed it Thursday. So I'm going to give you this now. I wasn't planning on preaching this. I had, was ready to preach about the shepherds and I liked the message and it was great and whatever. And then Thursday, God just dropped a bomb on me. But it's not in response to any one person or any one thing other than this guy and what God's doing. And I want y'all to know that. And I can't get rid of this. So I'm trying today. Come on, somebody. I'm trying to give it to y'all. And then we'll see what happens. And, and at the end, there's this, there's just this, it's just heavy. But I'm so excited. And so I just hope that y'all will receive this. Because it's awesome. Blank moss. So what's the first word if, when we celebrate this season? Come on, this is, a, this is not hard. This is fill in the blank. But what is this blank supposed to be? Christ. A plus. Praise the Lord. Christ. Christ. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He, meaning Christ, was with God in the beginning. And by him all things were made, and nothing was made that has been made. And it was life, and the life was the light of all men. And so the life that we have, if we have eternal life, is only from him. But if we live in the darkness, I'm, I am now, this is the gospel according to Mark and not the second book in your New Testament, okay? Somebody stay with me. If we live in that darkness, James 4 says, that I. and James 1 says that I, I, I can't play around with the world and play in the darkness because then I'm an enemy of God. I live in enmity to God. And that's what so many of us try to do. And then, and then listen, and then what we say is, no, 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 you don't understand. I'm not doing that. And the one thing that Satan uses more than anything else is pride. So this is how you know if you're living in pride and we're going to keep going and some of y'all are going to be like, dang, I'm tuning out because you're talking to me right now. If you think about everybody else's sin more than you think about your sin, you're prideful. And this guy right here is as guilty as anybody in the room. Can I tell you the person whose sins just scream out to me? <laughs> I'm not saying this with a humble heart either. I'm just telling you the truth. Is My sin and my shame and my junk that I deal with every day and my thought life and my every day and my short temper with my kids, I apologized, I think, seven out of seven days this week to my children for either the way that I spoke to their mother or the way that I spoke to them. Because I don't want to provoke my children to anger because I know that if a man walks in integrity... Proverbs 20, verse 7, his children will follow. And integrity is not when you're watching, it's when nobody is. And if I want to know why my kids are getting trapped where they are, it's my integrity or lack thereof. And what God is shooting out or permeating out of my life and what he's done in me and where I see myself and where I see my Savior. And where I believe I deserve and what I understand that he's given. That's the whole thing. And so Christ is all of these things. He was born of a virgin. It is an amazing story and and Emmanuel is God with us and that is why we sing these songs and it is an amazing time of year that we get to celebrate the birth of Christ. But it is not just a cool story where we should have plastic mangers, but it's the living God who came to earth. This is what Christ means. Some of y'all have seen this. This is what Christ means. It means anointed or to anoint. To place an anointing over. And I read this this week. I thought it was really cool. In the Old Testament in 1 Samuel, it it shows the picture of David being anointed. David being poured over with the horn of oil. That is the picture. And I'm not going to get a horn of oil and pour it over any of y'all today. If you're disappointed, that's okay. But I'm not going to do that. But that's what Christ does in you. Like, how does he get, listen, have y'all ever done this? Because maybe it's just me. That dude used to be that, and do you see him now? And now he's, he's preaching, and I don't know, like, Daryl Strawberry was that crazy dude back when some of us were kids, and he was, in, he was getting the nose candy all the time. That means cocaine, if you don't know what I'm talking about. And, like, we all knew the bad stuff, and now he's preaching, and what happened? It's the anointing. It's that he was this and now he's this and he doesn't he's he's not worried about what he used to be because now he's something else. And, and some of us stand in judgment. Yeah, I bet he's not that I bet he'll fall back. What if I thought about me? Maybe I should worry about Mark. And then when this happens and the the, the oil starts flowing, you stop worrying about what everybody else thinks and you just start worrying about the one that brings the oil because it's not you that brings the oil, it's him that brings the oil. Only Christ and Christ alone changes things and your scene doesn't really change unless you have Christ in you and that's free and here we go. Christ is the anointed one. I love this in Hebrews 1. I've read it before. I don't know if I've ever sat on it, especially with this thought. Hebrews, starting in the very first part of Hebrews, said long ago, God spoke through the prophets. So long ago, God used to speak through the prophets and the prophets alone. And so if you'll read the Old Testament, the prophet of God would bring the word. When I bring a word to you, it's the word that became flesh and dwelt among us that I am presenting to you. But it's only through his word. My words If God even gives me a word and I stand up and I say, I believe God said this, it is still from the one who brings the word. It is not this guy that is getting anything to you. I may have a gift, but God is giving it. He said, listen, I used to only use the prophets, but now I gave you Jesus and he lived among you. But then I left and I said I would send someone better because it's his spirit that's inside of you. Because you don't have to worry about the prophets anymore because in these last days you get Jesus. Come on, somebody. That's good news. Whom he appointed to be the heir of all things through, through whom he also created everything that was ever created. And then this is where it gets good. Verse 3. He is, somebody say this word, the radiance of the glory. That's a good word. Somebody say glory. You got to say it like this though. Wait. You got to say Glory. Come on now, that's good. That's what Kavad means, the anointing, that's the pouring over, that, that's what shoots out, that's the glory. He, Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint, the stamp, the kavad of his nature and he upholds the universe with the word of his power. Well that word became flesh and lived among us and when we have him in us that word of power is right here and is shooting out of us. Come on, that's good news. If I'm the only one in here to think so, I'll dance by myself, but I like that his word is in me. After making the purification, the suffering and the death on the cross for my sin and my shame, he's now seated at the right hand of God the Father. Full of grace and full of truth in his And his greatness. Now that's good. That's Christ. That's what we offer. That's what this is all about. It's not just a baby in a manger. And Listen, if he didn't come born of a virgin, he couldn't have been who he said he was and he'd be a liar. So we celebrate that. But this is who he is. Can I just tell you something about this? Your calling, once we start getting it, is to be the radiance of the glory of God. To be little Christs is what Christian means. And we call ourselves Christian, but we don't desire to be the radiance or the aroma of Jesus because we would rather be what we want to be. God, come with me. <laughs> Jesus, take the will. Jesus is the will, somebody. Come on now. We don't need Jesus to take it. We need him to be it, to be everything, the first and the last for us. And the problem is I get stuck where I am and I need Jesus to fill in what I need, and He wants to be all I need. Whew, I'm about preaching today. Somebody needs to come with me. Gracious, I ain't even started yet. Woo! All right, here we go. Moss, we got to go somebody. Hi, <laughs> y'all see? Play on words. You're welcome. Moss is Misa, and it means go or dismiss. And once I understand that I am the radiance and the glory and the righteousness of God because of Christ in me, can I just say this? This I can't stay. Listen, you can't stay here. And I don't mean in this room, but I do mean in this room. You can't stay where you are and understand who Christ is. You can't do it. And so if I can't stay where I am, where do I go? That's what we got to ask today. Where do I go? Where do I go? Come on, somebody. Where? No, just kidding. All right, yeah, we can stop. But, but the question is, seriously, where, what do we do? Where do we go? And this is, this is where I think the issue is. And this is what I'm preaching on today. This is what God shifted in my life on Thursday. I think the reason that we don't want to (laughs) go is because I'm worried about you and I'm not worried about me. So how can I go if I don't know? If I don't know him, if I don't know me, if I don't know why, how can I want to go? I'm so worried about what all of y'all have done. Some of us get caught. Some of us Some of us hide it well, but I'm so worried about everybody else that I can't worry about me. And so the reason I'm not on mission is because I think I'm all right. I'm good. I'm cool. I'm all right. Can I tell you who's not all right? This guy. So I'm going to teach from two passages today about two different ladies. And I'm just going to tell you on the front end that these ladies, I'm not being crude and I'm not using nasty language, but these ladies would have been called horrible names like harlot or whore. And that's. Basically, that's what they were. They were, they were. they were the people that we, some of us, instead of, instead of me saying would, maybe I'll say have talked about. Maybe even this week. They're the people, since we have Facebook and we don't go into people's tents, <laughs> oh, maybe, maybe they're the people this week that when you were scrolling down your Facebook page, you looked at them and said, did you hear what so-and-so? Huh? Guilty guilty and they're the people (laughs) they're the people that we feel bad for and we say bless their heart anybody I can't believe did Lord bless them can I tell you who needs bless their heart this morning I'm not I'm not saying this to make you feel good or bad I'm telling you the truth that I do because I know me and I know him and it's there's a big gap So two ladies, and if you can't preach the first one, can I just tell y'all, I think all of y'all could get up here and talk about this because this is good stuff. This is like a softball pitch on a tee. It's not even moving. If I miss this one, come on, this is good, but I'm going to show you maybe a different angle in John chapter eight. So let me give you some background. Jesus had just stood in the temple and he stood up on a box at the end of John seven. He says, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. I'm the living water. Woo! That's good stuff right there. And then it says that he went up on the Mount of Olives and then the next day he's returning. And this is what John 8 says. John 8 says early the next morning, early the next morning, after he'd been there early in the morning again, he came again to the temple and, and all the people came to him. And, and just imagine a big crowd gathering around. He sat down and taught them and the scribes and Pharisees who hated Jesus because he kept doing what he said he was going to do. And they kept seeing miracles and people kept gathering. He was like, ah, we don't like him. This is about us. It's about me. I wonder if that's us today. Am I a scribe and Pharisee that it's about me and I want you to come because of me, because of my word, because of what I think, or, if I, or do I want you to come because of Jesus? Oh, yeah. The scribes and Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery. I need y'all to know what this means. When they say caught in adultery, they don't mean that last week this woman, they heard a rumor. They mean that they went into the, to the little hut that she was in and they took her off naked. And they would have drugged her through the street of the old city of Jerusalem. It looks like Aladdin. It's crazy. And every person that passes, even the ones that didn't want to hear from Jesus, would have seen her in her shame because they would have drugged her by her hair. Your hair was your glory. And so to shame her, they would have drugged her by her hair, completely exposed to the world. What if all of your sins were exposed to the world? What would that feel like? Dragging her through, catching her in the act, and placing her in the midst. That means that if she was in this room today, they would pull her through this door and lay her at the feet of Jesus, who was teaching the crowd right there. Can you imagine being that shamed? I can't imagine. I've had I've had times in my life where I was caught. Leah and I in our early twenties, and I had done something really stupid and said a bunch of things and And I got called out by my parents. Praise God for that because it changed me. And I was shamed and two people knew and they loved me with all their hearts and they wanted to help me. What about people with rocks in their hands that wanted to kill me just to prove a point to shame me? As it says, they placed her in the midst and then this is what it says. They said to him, teacher, I'm not being crude, but I'm going to tell you what I believe they probably said. This woman was caught in the act. We pulled her off of, of doing what she was doing. Have, in adultery, we, we, we actually caught her in the act. Is what it says. Now the law says that we should stone her. What do you say we should do with her, Jesus? Ha, huh. now we got you. And the whole purpose wasn't even to shame the woman. It was to prove that they were right. Can I tell you how many times I've been in a bad place just because I want to be right? I have have run over people and not shown love just so I could be right and show that you're wrong. And they say, so Jesus, what do you say? See, we finally got him. Now, I'm just going to tell you, I can put myself a whole lot more in the Pharisee's shoes because I've done this so often. And if I saw what happened next, I mean, the Bible says that they left. But I don't even know. Like I'm probably out of Jerusalem. Come on, somebody. This is rough. Because I'm fixing to tell you something that maybe you've never heard. It says, this was to the test them that they might have something to charge against Jesus. And Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. Now, here's a little side note that I think is cool. I've been to Israel twice and I'm going again in a few weeks. And um, The old city of Jerusalem, there's not dirt. <laughs> there is one thing, limestone. One person in here has been with me. I need you to say hallelujah if I'm right. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) It's limestone. And when it rains, (laughs) it is slick. And in the temple, it was only limestone. And the ground, the word for ground, we think dirt, right? Or sand. He wrote in the sand like he was calling plays or something. But it was more like concrete. It was more like cobblestone. Now, can you imagine being a Pharisee and catching someone and Seeing this Jesus that you wanted to catch in a trap. And a human finger reaches down to stone and starts writing on the stone. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I'm doing like this. Okay. I don't care if he wrote an etch a sketch and it looked like my three year old. I'm I'm leaving. Is anybody else with me? The hand of God is writing on stone. I'm like, nope, <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> Something ain't right. <write. laughs> And so people have speculated what might it have been Did he write the Ten Commandments because it was stone. That's a cool theory, maybe. I don't know, and I don't really care. He wrote on stone. (laughs) Woo! That's crazy. And so it says one by one they were leaving. and and I'll I'll just show you with the verse because I'm going to get ahead, but it says they continued to ask him. But I bet they were doing this. Jesus, for real, what are you saying? What do you think we should do? That dude's writing in the stone. What should we do? And he stood up and said to them, I feel like Jesus probably wanted to say, do you see me writing on the stone? Are y'all still asking me a question, right? But he said to them, let him who is without sin cast the first stone, throw the first stone at her. And at this point, if you, with, all that, with all that hatred and hostility and gossip and all those things in your life that you were ready to go, it's gonna go away and it's shame and it's guilt and it's heaviness because you're like, Okay, I don't know who this dude is, but there's something supernatural going on, so I got, I got to go. And, and so verse 8 says that once more he bent down and, and wrote some more, and, and they heard it. And one by one, beginning with the older ones, and you can just watch the young cats looking like, I'm waiting on you, but you need to go, right? They started leaving, and then Jesus was left. Can you all picture it? Jesus was left. I don't believe that everyone in the crowd necessarily left. I believe the accusers all left. So, can you imagine being one of the crowd and watching this and seeing this guy that you've watched do miracles and feed 5,000, the chapter before? Two chapters before, excuse me, in John 6. He's got this naked, shamed woman who's filthy, and you know that she's a whore. Forgive my words, but that's what she was. And everybody talked about it on social media. And he's just standing there, and he says this. Just imagine being 150 feet away, but you can hear every word. Woman, where, where are those people? guys that were calling you out and drug you by your hair and spit on you and called you all those names, has no one condemned you? And she says, no one, Lord. Can you imagine being her and being there with all your shame and just looking up? There's no one right there that's accusing. No one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I. What's that word? Condemn you. And then he said, go. He said, go. Go. And from now on, sin no more. I'm not not in the business of condemning. I'm in the business of freedom. Young woman who is naked and ashamed and alone and feels awful, I don't condemn you, now go. And can I tell you right now, we're all either the guys holding the rocks that are the accusers or we're the naked and alone. Everyone in this room, is either a rock thrower or the naked shamed girl. I'm going to say this and I'm going I'm to move on because the story in Luke chapter 7 ties in so well and it's a beautiful picture because Jesus tells a story and it's so very similar to this. But if you've never felt like this, you've never known Jesus. If you've never felt ashamed but then freed from that, if you've never felt like you were that person where you knew all your sin, the weight and the hurt. And I'm not saying everybody has to find out. I'm saying he's known everything that I've ever done and ever will do. And when I begin to think and process that the God of the universe watches my every move and still loves me and still sent Jesus to die and carry the weight of my burdens and the weight of my shame and the weight of my sin and wants me still to be called his son and you to be called sons and daughters, And to love you just like you're his own. Well, if you're not a naked shamed girl or a naked shamed man at that point who is caught and guilty, then you never will be. Because I don't know what else there can be. But if you have felt like you did God a favor by being a Christian, because that's the other alternative, well, then we're in trouble. My attitude is what determines my environment. My attitude by coming in and throwing people down by, by coming in with a puffed chest. And I'm going to show you about attitude and about environment in this chapter. I think it's, it's such an amazing story in Luke chapter 7. And many of y'all have heard it before. It's the alabaster jar story. The, the woman walks in and the Bible says that she was a, a sinful, promiscuous woman. She was known to be sinful. She was known that she got around, that she, she did her thing with other people, that, that she was a bad girl. And Jesus went into this very prominent man named Simon's house who was, who was a religious leader and, and she knew how to get in there. And this is my one question. I'm going to move on because I'm not going to be accusatory against Simon. I think he's already got enough problems and we're going to get there in a minute. But I just wonder how she knew how to get in there. <laughs> she seemed pretty comfortable sitting down at the table. I wonder if she had sat at the table before when no one else was around, but no one could catch her because she seems pretty comfortable in this story. And that kind of reminds me of Mark, because if y'all aren't looking, I'm cool with it. But when everybody else is looking, I need to make sure that I got my ducks in a row. And so they even go to the point to say, why do you have this woman laying at your feet? Do you know what she's done? And he said in his thoughts, and Jesus heard him with his thoughts right before where I'm going to read, if he knew who this woman was, he wouldn't want her touching his feet. I wonder how many times just in my thoughts alone I've condemned people with rocks in my hands like Simon and not been in the position of true forgiveness like the woman with the alabaster jar with the perfume. And this is what Jesus said in in Luke chapter seven. He said, this is a story that Jesus told as a result of him thinking in his mind, if Jesus knew who this was, this wouldn't be going down. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other one 50. And when they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which one of them will love him more? Which one do y'all think? The 500 or the 50? 500. What you perceive as the weight of your sin is how much you, you appreciate and how much gratitude you actually have toward the one who forgave your sin, because that is your debt. That is what has been paid for you. And so that's what he's saying. You believe that you're good. And she knows what she is. But he had still missed the point. And this is what Jesus said. Simon answered the one who, the one I suppose, for who he canceled the biggest debt, the biggest sum, the 500. And he said, you're right. You've judged correctly. But here's the deal, Simon. Verse 44. Turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, this lady right here, You see her? You see the woman who you're judging, who with your mind you think is a horrible person and you know all about her? You see this? I entered the house and you gave me no water for my feet and that was customary. Your feet were gross back in the day. Some people had sandals, some people didn't. And there was dirt on the ground because they didn't have the big sweepers that came through and cleaned everything. It was nasty. And if you left the old city, you were literally on dirt. Excuse me. And so feet were nasty. When you entered someone's home, you immediately washed your feet. He said, you didn't give me any water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears. You never touch someone's feet unless you were a slave or at the very least a servant for that house. And she wiped them with her hair, which was my picture of honor if I was a woman back in the day. And she got down on her hands and knees and wept and wiped not concerned with anybody else but the one that sat before her as her savior that could redeem her. She wasn't concerned with the people of honor in that place and with everybody and what they thought. She thought of one thing, that's Jesus. And I need some of him. I need what he's got to offer me because he's the one that can offer me freedom, not, not another time with a man. Not another money trip. Not, not something else. In verse 45. It says, you gave me no kiss, which was customary for a greeting. But from the time she came in, she didn't kiss my cheek, which was customary, but my feet in humility. She humbled herself and bowed down to my feet like a servant. You did not anoint, it's a cool word, especially in light of that's what Jesus is on us. He said, You didn't anoint my head with oil as a cleansing. And as a symbolic gesture, but she anointed my feet with the fragrance that changed the room, that made all of you look and say, What's wrong with her? And when I have Jesus, the environment begins to shift and change. And some people look and say, What's wrong with him? What's wrong with her? There's something different because they, even if they don't have it and even if they think you're weird, they can smell the difference in the air, they can sense the difference in the aroma. They can feel the difference shifting and stuff taking place because there's something about Jesus where people are never the same. And they'll look at you and say, Hey, bro, you all right? <laughs> Something's weird. Y'all ever been to like a high end restaurant like Ruth Chris or something? Has anybody ever been to one of those? And in there, there's like dark, dark lights and candles and slow music. And they want you to stay two hours and they want you to drop. Three hundo. Has anybody ever been there? And then you got Burger King. Your way right away at Burger King now. Y'all remember that? And they got the fast music. They got the yellow and red. red. You got the salmonella. Come on, somebody. (laughs) They got all kinds of stuff happening. They want you in and out because they want your money. And so many of us want the Burger King Jesus and we don't want the Ruth Chris Jesus because we don't want want to go whatever it takes and wherever we go and we don't want to pay the price that it costs because I have to not be in charge anymore. I want to get it my way. I want it right away and I want my environment to be my environment and I want it loud. Let's go. And sometimes it's not your way. I'm going to say most of the time it's probably not your way because his ways are higher than your ways and he knows better. And so many times what I want is what I want. And so I argue with God. For real? Why am I? What? Who do I think that I am that I would argue with God and yet I'm just like this where I have these thoughts in my mind. Can you believe what they did? I can't believe what those cats did. They're awful. And I never think about Mark. I never worry about where I am. She got on her feet and broke open an expensive bottle and wept because she was broken. And that has a fragrance of humility that is beautiful and it changes everything. Here's what verse 47 says Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. Here's what that means. She got into all kinds of craziness and you know all about it. But he who is forgiven with little, loves little. She is now taking her sin And she has loved me and she has changed her posture to I don't care about all these men sitting at the table judging me I care about one and it's the God man Jesus. I want to receive him as my savior I want him to change my environment so that I can change your environment I don't want it to be about me anymore and I don't want to think what will they think about me? I want to shift everything and I can't go until I know and you can't know until you believe that it was much that he gave you Because if you believe that it was a little Well, then you don't have a lot Because he is the lot. He's the entire lot. He is the portion. He's everything. And if I believe that he changed me this much, well, he probably did. And the truth is, it's what your mind has said. But no eye has seen and no ear has heard what he can do when I know him and he comes in my life and explodes. And that girl who was filthy and dirty and shamed didn't care anymore. Just like the woman who was caught in adultery. It changed everything. And he said to her, listen, woman, who he has judged, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. And then I wonder what he said to her. I wonder if he said, now stay right where you are and pray all day long and make sure that you never mess up. And those were at the table started looking. Did he just tell that girl to her? Who And they said to who is this dude that he can forgive sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. I don't know if you want to do something with this or not, but I do. Do you notice right here that he wasn't concerned with the religious people that thought they were awesome at this point? He was concerned with one person that thought she was what she was. But she began to understand that she is who Jesus said she is. That she began to understand I'm the righteousness of God. I don't care what I've been. I don't care what I did last night. I don't care what I did earlier today. I got to meet Jesus. And I'm the righteousness of God. And he said to her, go in. Live that life of freedom. You don't have to be what you were. You get to be what I say you are from this point on. You're the righteousness of God. He told both adulterous women to go. And in the story, he doesn't tell anybody else to go because you cannot be on mission if you believe that you're great. You may, you may do a mission trip. You may do things that are nice, but a person whose life has been changed and who is shifting the world that they live in is only the person that realizes that their sin is great, but their savior is greater. And he shifted everything and he changed everything. Jesus says the shamed and the broken and the lonely on mission. That's who he sins and this is the verse that I'm telling y'all I can't get it off my mind I, I mean literally since I did my fast back in uh, February to Easter last year I had I did this 40-day fast and I was like God's gonna give me this great revelation and I'm gonna have this word and I got one word pride that's awesome right <laughs> I didn't eat for 40 days God I wanted something cool you gave me pride that's not good Cause I had to change. I thought I was going to change them. You, you changed me. That's not fun. And I, Satan uses the seed of pride in every person in this room to keep you sitting where you're sitting so that you won't go change. How can we stay the same knowing what Jesus did for us? Maybe it's because we don't know. And he uses one thing. He uses doubt. He uses shame. He uses fear so that the bottom pit is pride. And listen to what James 4 says. God gives more grace to those who love Him, to those who will be in the posture of service before God. I'm going to wash your feet or do whatever it takes, God, because you love me first, not because I'm doing it to earn your love. And it says, therefore, it says He opposes the proud. I need you to get this. God's not cool if you believe you're great. It doesn't change the fact that He loves you. This doesn't say He hates you. It says he opposes, he hates your sin, but he opposes you when you're dealing with the world and dancing in it, was what James one says. And James four says again, because if I'm a friend of the world and I believe I'm good and I'm calling everybody else out but me, then I'm an enemy with God, I live in enmity with God. Why? Because he opposes the proud but he gives more grace, more grace, more grace to the humble. Hebrews 4 verse 16 says that I should boldly go before His throne room and pray and seek Him. That I can obtain and receive His mercy. But I find grace. Only those who will humble themselves and pray and seek His face and turn from my wickedness will I hear from heaven and He will heal their land. And we want all of those things, but we don't want it for us. We want it for them. God can't change them through you until he changes you because you can't go until you know. And these are the people that are truly saved because I believe that the biggest mission field in this country, listen to what I'm saying, Billy Graham, who many of you know who that is, says he believes 70 to 80% of the church is lost sitting in pews and chairs and in seats this Sunday morning. I believe it's the greatest mission field on the planet. Why? Because if we were really saved, we'd be going. Come on, somebody. We'd be out there in the highways and hedges is what all the preachers used to say. And we wouldn't be worried about what everybody else thinks. We'd be in the posture with the alabaster jar saying, how can I serve you? What can I do to help? It's not about me, my wife and my kids and my family and my neighbors. What can I do to serve you? It's not about having a name. There's only one name that matters, and it's the name above every name, Jesus. And until that is all that matters, does Jesus want you to have fun? Of course he does. Hobbies are great. There's nothing wrong with all these things. But but if Jesus isn't the first and the last, then you've missed him. And this is why I think this is so important that he opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble because grace is what saved me. And if I am full of pride, my question is have I ever really received his grace? through faith. Because it's not what I do, it's not my works. This is not my own doing, it's the gift of God. So that I can't boast about what I've done. Every good deed that I have is filthy rags. But James 4 says every good gift comes from above, coming down from the Father of lights. Everything good in my life comes only from Jesus. Can I just tell you today you're one of two people You're the Pharisee judging at the table. Does he know who's touching her? You're the Pharisee with the rock in your hand. Or you're the two shamed women. And I want to know which one are you. Because of the person in your life whose sin is the brightest is not you. Then that's exactly what we are. That does not mean that you're lost. But it means you need hope today. And you need healing today. And for many of you, listen many of you, I believe that for the first time no matter how much church you've heard you can say yes to Jesus right now by simply saying I'm that woman and I need healing and I need grace if your heart is beating fast, can I speak directly into your life right now, if your heart's beating fast and you feel your throat closing up and you don't respond Satan is winning because pride is overwhelming And I just wonder if anybody would be bold enough to say, Pastor, I need grace today. I need to be saved right where I sit. I'm gonna ask you to bow your head. I'm not gonna pray yet, but I'm just gonna ask you for respect to bow your head. And I'm gonna ask you to pray with me right now where you sit. You don't have to pray out loud, but I just want you to pray. A prayer is not magic. It is simply humility and trusting Christ, asking him to forgive us and change our life, believing that he died and rose again that saves us and so I just want you to pray something like this if that's what you want God I deserve hell I deserve punishment I deserve embarrassment and separation I'm that naked person who if I was caught would look just the same everything that is good in my life is now you and I'm on my knees asking you to change my life save me Lord Jesus I want you this day With your heads bowed and eyes closed, if that's you, I believe you've been saved and nothing will hold you back. You're not worried about everybody else around you. And so if that's you, will you just throw your hand up wherever you are and say, Pastor, that's me. I just got saved for the very first time. I believed Christ. I want my life to shift and change forever. That's me. If that's you, will you raise your hand wherever you are and say, that was me. Just now, that was me. That was me. That's awesome. Can I tell y'all something right here? Right here, there was one person that raised their hand. Can you just hold your hand up one more second for me, buddy? If that was you, we're not going to embarrass you. We just want to give you something. If y'all give me one second, I want to tell y'all one thing. It's not If y'all will look this way, it's not what you do that determines your mission and if you're on mission, but why you do what you do. My motivation behind what I do is everything. And it's time for us to go in peace. So this is the question that I would have for y'all. Is there anybody out there that is too worthless and too ragged and too ashamed, too nasty, that this place can't be their house of worship? Is there anybody that has done something so egregious and so terrible that this place can't be their place of worship? If a a transgendered person that was struggling exactly with that came in here with very little clothes on and they were the opposite and they were filthy, and they were full of drugs and holes in their arms. Is this place and is our God, is our Jesus big enough for that? Because listen to me right now, if he's not, then he's not big enough for me. Because they're not farther from God than I am until I have Jesus. And I need you to know this and I say this with love, not in condemnation. But if we would look at them and shame them, then we are still shamed. Because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble and if I go out there and just reach those that are like me, then I've missed the entire point of the gospel from Genesis to Revelation that it is not God's will that anyone should perish and listen, He didn't come to be the church by Himself, He came to give you the church in yourself. And so that what shoots out shifts the environment and it's not Burger King anymore. Because we're gonna do whatever it takes to go in peace. And no longer are we gonna be full of gossip and full of everything else, but we're gonna be full of grace. My question to you is, is this grace big enough for everybody? For the millionaires that are alone and for the nasty people on the side of the street and for the drunks And for the stars that have done stupid things that we've cursed, is our God big enough? Because if he is, you can't stay here. We've got to go. And so I need you to yell with me because I'm about out of gas, come on somebody. It's time to go, we can't stay. It's time to go, this place can't stay this size and it's not about size, God's not impressed. I want them to have the grace. And so if you're in with me, I need you to scream at the top of your lungs because I'm out. Ready, set, come on, that's not enough. Ready, set, one more time, come on, ready, set, come on, stand and sing with us.